0: what comes next is very important. I'm sending what my father promised you. So stay here in the city until he arrives, until you are equipped with power from on high. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building, Then like wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. Bow your heads with me. Spirit of the living God, we just come before you this morning. We ask you as we gather in this place today, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're here, that you've touched hearts, that you've refreshed us, that you've strengthened us. You made us aware of your unending love and your amazing grace, that you are the rock of our lives. You're the fortress. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're saved. And we thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the Holy Spirit of God, for the equipping power and the presence of Jesus Christ himself. I just acknowledge before you and before this people that I can't do anything apart from you, but I ask you today, you who are able to do all things, or that you would move and speak through me today, that you would open the ears of every listener, you would open the hearts and the eyes so that we could see and perceive and understand, or the amazing life to which you've called us. Lord, you've called us out of spiritual mediocrity, you've called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light, that we should show forth the praises of him. We give you praise. We honor you. Come today and just like a fresh breeze, blow through us and then leave the fire that burns in us. In Jesus' name. All of God's people said. Welcome to Victory. How many of you love the Lord? Say amen. Amen. What a blessing it is to be in the house of God today. I'm so excited to to bring to you the second installment in the series, Elemental. It was a blast last night being able to pray the opening prayer at the Riverside Rumble. uh, With all the MMA. If any of you ever guys you watch UFC uh, on uh, Spike or any of those channels on cable, you see the the, 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 the kind of intensity. Some guys last night, I'm telling you, they, one young man that I've known since he was about 14, 15, played ball with my son, fought in one of the fights, and he didn't open up a can, he opened up a barrel on one of these boys. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was pretty intense, and a crowd was on their feet and screaming. and and uh, By the way, just let me ask, is there anybody here this morning Last night I invited the whole crowd. anybody anybody with a show of hand, anybody with the fight last night. I don't see. Yeah, there's a well, (laughs) you guys, Bagley's over here and Greg. Yeah, we all went. Uh, Man, what a blast! Thank you for the opportunity, Lance and Jeremy, who were the promoters, to give us an opportunity just to be in that place. Some folks might say, "Well, why are you there?" I said, "Well, that's exactly where Jesus would be if He'd been in West Memphis last night." Don't have time for this religiosity mess. Uh, he, he's hanging out where the folks are out there living real life. And uh, just doing what David did, somebody comes up and then you're ready to be able to give a, a word. Scripture says in 1 Peter 3.15, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. And then be ready to give an answer to every man who asks you why you've got so much hope. What is it about you? What, what, what makes you tick? How can you have so much hope in the middle of all the stuff that you deal with and I don't know anybody in the room. Everybody's got stuff. Everybody has circumstances. Everybody has hard things you deal with. When it comes to just doing life, we all deal with people, and relationships alone can just absolutely drive you to the edge and make you think about jumping. But if you can think about having a job like David does, and you're out there on a day-to-day basis, and you're, you're putting pressure points on gunshot wounds, and you're trying to bring back to life young kids that are OD'd on drugs... And think about the kind of grace that you have to walk in without losing hope. We need to pray for our firemen and our paramedics and our policemen. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I just want to do that right now. We, we pray for pastors in the city all the time. We pray for other churches. I just think we need to stop right now. And if you, if you don't mind, if there's somebody next to you and you're comfortable doing it, just join hands with them and let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, for the men and women of Marion and West Memphis, Lord, who patrol our streets to keep them safe. Lord, who are ready at a moment's notice to come and to put out a fire in our homes or at our business. Lord, those that are ready to minister to an EMT or a paramedic, just the stuff they deal with on a daily basis. Lord, our our highway patrolmen, our state troopers, uh, Father, I just pray that these men and women who put themselves in harm's way, that you would be with them. Let the grace and the mercy of God be their portion, that you would strengthen them. Lord, uh, Lord I know that you, you reached out once to a centurion, uh, Lord, a Roman centurion, who you were absolutely amazed at his faith. And God, I thank you for men and women in each of these areas of service to our community. Lord, some of them know you and some of them are wanting to know you. Let us be there and in that moment be ready to pray for and strengthen their lives. And, Lord, their, their wives and their husbands and their children, Lord, protect these people who lay their lives on the line for us so that we can live in a community in quietness and peaceableness, your word says. We thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said. Amen. Amen. What, a, what an amazing opportunity these days to... Be able just to share with you what the Lord is saying. We started a series last Sunday called Elemental. In the classical worldview, there are four elements which they believed at that time. Some of the Greek philosophers, Plato, Aristotle, believed there were four common elements that made up the universe. And we we know now, there are probably, I know at least of 108, and there's some others that have been discovered and not named. And, Some that that thought they were and have been removed from the periodic table. And we're not here to give you a science lesson. My wife is much, much, much better at that than I am. uh, And does some amazing things in her science class. Uh, But I'm not here to do that today. The elements that they understood in the old world in the time that the scriptures were written were these four. And I think that's not a coincidence that God, by the Holy Spirit, inspired the writers of the Old and New Testaments. In their time, 1,500 years span, over 40 authors, and they all seem to actually weave this. Weave, I'm sorry, is the word. Weave this amazing tapestry of a of a Messiah who is to come, and then one who does come, one who lives among us, and then one who was crucified, buried, and then resurrected, and then he said, "I'm gonna give give you something better than you could ever even imagine. Hang on until he, this one comes." And we read this morning out of. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he said, In the King James, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Enduo is the Greek word which means to put on garments, put on clothes. The translation that I read from, it says, you know, hang around there until you get clothed on with power, until you're empowered, something comes on you, and this something is not an it, but it's a person, it's the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit of God. We preached last Sunday about the Holy Spirit like wind. The wind is something that is unpredictable. It is is not something that can be controlled. We can learn how to harness the power of the wind by sails and by windmills and new wind technology are able to actually generate electricity. So wind has the ability to actually take us into the next millennium to produce green electricity that is not coal-based. I'm not here to talk about environmentalism this morning, but it's just all these things that really link together. The wind of the Holy Spirit wants to lead us in an adventure. I, I, I don't want anything to do in my life or in this church with a spiritual mediocrity, that which just merely exists and goes through the motions. And is basically trying to check off a list of an angry God and you come to church on Sunday morning and you get a gold star beside your name because you have kept the Sabbath holy, whatever your understanding of that is, and that so many times people live in a kind of a religious cage, in a cage of routine, in a rut... Where everybody else is there except for God. And I'm gonna tell you, God wants to pull you out of the cage. He wants to pull you out of your limitations. He wants to pull you out of your assumptions. And He wants to lead you into an amazing life of adventure that is immeasurably more than you ever thought you could ask or imagine. And it comes when you submit yourself to the moving of the wind of the Holy Spirit. John 3, verse 8, the Bible says, The wind blows and you don't know where it comes from or where it goes, it blows where it wishes. You don't know the sound thereof, the, the King James says. He said, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. So we're born when God, ruach, when the Greek word is pneuma. It's, it's, it's the air of God, the wind of God, the Spirit of God is blown through us. And we're born into the kingdom of God. This morning God's called us to that life of adventure, being led and learning how to flow with the wind, where it blows us. It's not a routine. It's not... A rut, certainly, but it's an adventure. It's a life that God's called us to of a tremendous excitement. And the wind blows in on the day of Pentecost. And as the wind blows in, what's left is this amazing flame. Something catches fire. Scripture says in the King James, tongues of fire set down upon each of them. And they beheld the glory of God. I believe it was the Shekinah. I believe it was the presence of the glory of God sitting down 50 days after the resurrection. Pentecost means 50 Penta five for fifty Pentecost is fifty days after the resurrection, and God comes to fulfill in his church, which he's going to birth in one day. When Isaiah prophesied, a nation shall be born in one day, I do not believe that that's national Israel. It took decades of backroom bargaining and and manipulating laws on an international basis for Palestine or Palestine to become the nation of Israel and a homeland for Jews that wish to return. That's not what God was talking about because it took decades. I believe the nation that was born in a day was the nation that was born on the day of Pentecost. And that's the holy nation, the church. You're a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a generation. The Bible says that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his what? Marvelous light. So this morning as we look, we've sensed the wind of God blowing through us. He, he births us into the kingdom and then he begins to blow through us and fill us on the day of Pentecost. That is not just something that was for 2,000 years ago. That's not just something that was for the early church. I am in no sense a dispensationalist that says that was only relegated for that day and God's not doing that any longer today. Hogwash. Hogwash. There's nothing in the Bible ever, I've read it through since I was 18, every year, at least once a year, sometimes more than that. And I want to tell you, I I don't say this arrogantly, but I say this with a humble confidence. I've read it, I know what it says. There is nothing in the Bible that ever says anywhere, in any place, that what God did then, He has ever stopped doing through any generation. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God who did miracles then will also do miracles and demonstrate His power for you... If you will have faith, God responds to faith. Somebody says, well, why don't we see that? Let me tell you something. Don't tell the third world church and the nations around the world. America is is immersed. It's marinated in unbelief. It's marinated in the demonic doctrine of cessationism that is projected from the vast majority of our Baptist churches around the nation that tell you that God who moved that way no longer does it today in our generation. That was just for then. It's not for now. And I want to go, please give me scripture and verse so that I can figure out what I've been practicing and walking in all of my life, what comes easy when I go to a foreign nation, when I cross the seas, because they don't have all of the intellectual challenge and the paralysis of analysis. And they humbly put their trust in a God who said he would and that he was able and that he was willing. And when they hear the word preached, they believe. You know, the reason why we don't see miracles today is because men are not standing in the pulpit preaching the miraculous power of God. You preach salvation, people get saved. If you preach healing, people will get what? If we'll just preach the word, let the word say what the word says, preach the word. If we'll major on the majors and minor on the minors and not worry about all of the other stuff that we, that we don't really feel like we have time to figure out. Let me tell you something there's so many things in there that are undeniable. I've got to calm down. I'm already out of the chute. I want to tell you I hate that mess. I despise it. It is a demonic doctrine from the pit of hell and it's no wonder the American church is in the anemic state that it's in because the men of God in the pulpits are not preaching the full counsel of the word of God. I want to tell you the same Holy Ghost that anointed Peter when he stood up on the day of Pentecost. The same guy who just a few days denied Jesus warmed his hands by the fire and he cursed out of his mouth. He took the name of God in vain. The scripture says he cursed. Jesus came back and he asked him three times. One for every time Peter denied him, do you love me? Why? Because God was restoring to him the confidence in the walk with him as a relationship with a Savior, with a Lord, because God knew what was going to happen in just a few weeks when Pentecost fell, when Holy Ghost came. I unashamedly tell you this morning, and let me just say this, You know what makes the services different here? It's not just cool music. It's not nice lights. It's not just the people who've got a little bit of excitement. It's called the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Presence of the Holy Spirit is in this place. That's what makes it different. I am not ashamed of it. I will unabashedly at the same time, I will tell you, and you know what, you may get upset with me. You may have been hanging around for a while and you go, oh, he's just getting a little bit too over the edge. Well, come on, honey, I'm going to push you over and teach you how to fly. Because God wants to get you full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The one thing that I want to bring to you in this message this morning, everybody say the one thing. Amen. One thing is this. Everybody say the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. is the power producer. One more time. Say it with me. The Holy Spirit is the power producer. Last time. Here we go. The Holy Spirit is the power producer. Three things that I want to emphasize this one-point message. The Holy Spirit is the power producer. Number one it's this. There is a distinction between being born of the Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is a difference between being born of the Spirit... And being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's a distinction between being born into my natural family and then being equipped to become a productive son in the house. I have to go to school. I have to learn. I have to be empowered. I have to be equipped. The Holy Spirit and the attendant gifts... And the devotional tongue that I speak in, praying in in a prayer language that God has given me, the Bible says that man does not understand. I speak mysteries when I pray in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul says, Forbid not speaking in tongues. Jude verse 21 says, Building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. It literally is a power-producing Act When I begin to pray in the the prayer language that God has given me, and I'm telling you, it will absolutely revolutionize your life because the scripture says in Romans 8, when I don't know how to pray as I ought, then the Holy Spirit will pray according to the will of God through me. The Bible says, with groanings and utterings which cannot be understood. It's in the Bible. It amazes me sometimes how people who can't give me three verses on tithing in the New Testament... We'll defend that tooth and nail when I've got more than three chapters on the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the Bible, in the New Testament. But yet want to fight with me and tell me, oh no, 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 that's not for today. I'm going to let that just kind of scoot around the room a little bit. Isn't it amazing how we're willing to take up the sword and fight over all these various different issues? I'll say that to you again. You can't give me three verses in the New Testament about tithing. But I can give you more than three chapters about life in the Spirit, about being filled with the Holy Spirit, about moving and working and walking in the power of God, about trusting God by the laying on of hands and seeing God move miraculously and heal. Don't tell me God doesn't do that. Tell the little blind girl that by the favor of God, I had the privilege and the honor of laying hands on her. She was five years old when I was 25 years old and went to Indonesia for a month in the stadium of Jakarta, the main stadium of Jakarta. 100,000 people attending the conference every night and we prayed for the sick and Every night, we saw miracles happen right in front of us. All over the world. There's a distinction between born of the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. Everybody knows John 3.16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 316 of John is about being born again. But I doubt, I doubt anybody in here can quote Luke 316 for me. Now, do you think John 316 is any more important than Luke 316? I've never seen a guy at a hockey game hold up Luke 316. Never been a guy at the Olympics shouting Luke 3.16. It's all John 3.16. You know what? That's the entrance. That's the front door. But I'm just asking you, come on in the house because God's got a whole bunch of stuff in the house he wants you to get a hold of. John 3.16 is the born-again experience. It's what brings you into the kingdom of God. But once you get in there, God wants to equip you with something that will absolutely revolutionize your life and give you the kind of adventure, pull you out of the rut, take you out of going through the motions, and equip you with the power that you need to be everything that God has called you to be. That's what I'm talking about. Luke 3.16, the Bible says this, but John intervened. He says, I'm baptizing you here in the river... The main character in this drama is, he says, the main character. Do we have this on the board? Do we have the scriptures? Luke 3.16. Can we pull that up? But John intervened. I'm baptizing you here in the river. The main character in this drama to whom I'm a mere stagehand will ignite the kingdom life. A fire. The Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He will ignite in you the kingdom life. He'll put fire down on the inside of you, this Holy Spirit of which we speak. Now, there are two Greek words that I want to bring to your attention. And if you guys would put this up on the screen next, this was in the notes. Exousia. Everybody say Exousia. Exousia is the word that is used in John chapter 1, verse 11. The Bible says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become children of God, to become the sons of God. It's right there in your notes. Exousia is unfortunately not to be associated with the word power that we're talking about. Exousia here means executive authority. And this is... This is what it means when he says, To them he gave power to become the sons of God. He gave them the right, the privilege, the executive authority to now be called a child of God. That is our position now. Not going to be one of these days. Right now, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, It says, Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. He says, But it, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And the verse before that, he said, What manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of the living God? Look at your neighbor right now and say, I'm his son or his daughter, whichever is appropriate for you. Tell him right now. Now, if you're confused, you said, I, I'm his son or his daughter. You, didn't, you missed one. <laughs> you're in a relationship with him. He's your heavenly father. Exousia. It is a position. Something has changed. You've been placed in a position. You're now called a child of God. He is your father. Come on, somebody. But it's, it's beyond that. It is beyond. What I'm talking about this morning is not the gift of salvation. I'm talking about an empowering that comes, an equipping that comes, that is yours if you want it. It's for everybody who's willing to open up and receive it. There is a distinction between being born of the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. Maybe it would make you feel better if I quoted the King James. It's Jesus is there with John. He said, look, I'm baptizing this guy. And he said, I'm not worthy. There's one coming after me. I'm not even worthy to step down and and loose the the sandals off his feet. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Everybody say, fire. Mm, 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 mm. You don't like that one, okay. (laughs) Fire. Everybody say, "Fire." fire. Now, dunamis is the Greek word. Dunamis. Or dunamis. It it means power. It means ability. It means a force. This is not just about position. That's the executive authority. That's the exousia, power to become the children of God. This is dunamis. This is an equipping. This is something that comes on me now that I'm already walking in the position of being called God's child. Now God's pouring something out on me so that I can fulfill everything that He's called me to do in my destiny. It's equipping. It's empowering. See, it's one thing to give somebody the authority to do something, it's something else to equip them to carry that authority out. Are you with me? All right? Now, when we look at the Old Testament, and, and, and I, I can't take a long time on this, because this really could be a two or three-hour teaching look at your neighbor and say, "Thank God he's not going to do that." <laughs> Feasts of Israel, Feasts of Israel have something that are important. In the feasts of Israel, we see three main ones. Everybody say Passover, Pentecost, Pentecost, Tabernacles. Let's get it together. Here we go one more time. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. Every one of those three major feasts, technically there's seven of them. Pentecost stands alone with one in the middle. Passover actually has three small feasts that make up the one large feast of Passover. And Tabernacles over here actually has three small feasts that make up the larger one called Feast of Tabernacles. So we've got three big ones that actually make up seven little ones. This morning, the one that we're talking about is this very middle one right here called the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of First Fruits. The first fruits when the land has been planted and you start to see the first fruits coming forth. Passover was administered when the children of Israel were still in Egypt. Passover was when they took the blood of the slain lamb and they applied it to the doorposts of the dwellings in which they were living. It's called Passover because when the death angel from God came and passed over that eerie night that you saw with Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments, when that green fog came moving through the streets and all the firstborn of Egypt died but the firstborn of Israel were all spared God passed over them because he saw the blood applied so by the way it was struck on the lentils so that blood was literally smeared up there in the shape of three crosses both sides of the lentil of the doorpost and one in the middle literally They had a prefiguring, they had a picture of what they were actually going to see thousands of years later on an old hill called Golgotha with three crosses standing together and two thieves like bookends around the one who would be the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the whole world. Jesus has become our Paschal Lamb. He is our Passover Lamb. Those were fulfilled in national Israel. It was a covenant promise. They understood them. They were delivered out of Egypt by the blood through the feast. Then they move from Egypt into the wilderness. But it's not until they get into the school of the wilderness that God pours out the Holy Spirit. And really where that took place was when God took them to Sinai and they see a huge firework display. There's billowing smoke and fire. One more time, everybody try it with me. Everybody, fire. Mm-mm-mm. Exodus 19. In the wilderness, God. Gives Pentecost. Pentecost is where Moses came down from the mountain and he brought the law written on tablets. Now let me tell you, this is not just something that happened for national Israel, for natural Israel, but now how it's fulfilled in the church is that when God gives the Holy Spirit, he takes that law and doesn't write it on granite tables anymore, but he writes it on the fleshly tables of your heart. Come on, somebody. Mm. Every one of these feasts has to be a fulfillment in the National Covenant people of Israel, it also has to be fulfilled in Christ because Christ is our Passover lamb. Christ sends the promise of the Father. The Spirit of Himself, the Holy Spirit of God, the very Spirit of Jesus Himself, comes back and is poured out upon us on the day of Pentecost. The tablets of stone now become the tablets of a fleshly new heart and spirit on which the law of God is written when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm not even going to take time to move into tabernacles because that's another, gosh, that's a series in itself. But there is a fulfillment. We have to realize that every one of these is fulfilled in national, natural Israel. Every one of them finds its fulfillment in Christ, the Passover lamb, Christ, the baptizer and the Holy Spirit who sends the promise of the Father. This is... We must also have a personal, individual application in the life of the believer. I have to embrace my Passover Lamb and apply the blood to the doorposts of my individual heart. Otherwise, I'm not saved. I have to move beyond that into the next feast, and I have to cry out to God and I say, "God, baptize me, fill me." Now, let me just say this: uh, I, on this end, I will concur with my Baptist brothers and sisters. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost every day. You need to get a fresh filling. We need to ask him all the time. Scripture says in Ephesians 5.17, Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. All of the stuff of the world, whether it's lust or drugs or sex or, 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 or money or materialism or all of these different kinds of things that we try to throw ourselves into, we get drunk on all the stuff of the world wherein is excess. But it will never satisfy you like being filled with the Spirit of God that permeates every fiber of your being and all of your life. That's the only thing that will satisfy you. Come on. Salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone is the gift of God. I'm not preaching to you this morning about something that determines whether or not you're saved. You can't. This is where the Pentecostals have missed it by telling our Baptist friends that if they don't have the Holy Spirit like we had it, you don't really have the Holy Ghost. And that's stupid because Romans chapter 8 says if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. When you trust in Him, the Holy Spirit comes in you. But what I'm preaching beyond that this morning is not just the residing one, but I'm talking about the one, the residing one, who becomes the presiding one. He takes over. He fills you. He, he in every aspect of your life. He becomes the one who's calling the shots. The Apostle Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter three, verse seventeen, he said, "Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty, freedom." Another translation says, "Where the spirit, where the spirit is Lord." Is the Spirit Lord in your life? Is it the boss? Is it calling the shots? Is it standing at a doorpost of your mouth next time you're tempted to get involved in some foolish drama and you want to get on the phone and gossip about something? Is it, a, is it standing at the doorpost of your ears saying, no, I'm not going to pay any attention to that. I'm not, I don't have time. I, I want to walk in the Spirit. I, 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 I want to be free from all this anxiety that I'm Fussing with. Let me tell you, some folks can't get rid of their anxiety because all they do is stir up drama, and there's drama around their lives all the time. You make a choice. Is the Spirit Lord? Holy Ghost riding in the car with you. You're on the phone. Say, yeah, go ahead, say what you're going to say. No, if we think about Jesus riding with us, we'll make a change in how we're acting and how we're behaving and what we're saying. Whether we're being critical of somebody or we're trying to take somebody else's offense and go stir it up and get a whole bunch more people upset about it. Y'all still love me this morning? Am I preaching right or am I preaching right? I am whether you say or not. (laughs) The one thing is the Holy Spirit is the power producer. Holy Spirit is the power producer. Number two, he gives us the power to be a witness. Everybody say power, power to be a witness. Now, I don't know whether they've got this or not. I, I meant for the scriptures to come up under this. Oh my, praise God. There it is. Listen. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to use this one they have. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What will you receive when the Holy Spirit comes on you? Everybody say Power. Fire means power. So when the Holy Spirit comes on He says, you're going to get some dunamis. We get some English words from it. It's dynamite. Something that explodes and moves walls and has a destructive power, if that's what you do. It'll tear down strongholds. It'll remove the effects of the enemy. It will destroy and blow up. It will annihilate all of the tactics of the enemy because no weapon that is formed against you can ever prosper. It'll blow them up. But it's not just something that it destroys with a one-time show of power. But another word, dunamis, is the word dynamo. It is a power-producing kind of machine. A dynamo generates power. The Spirit of God on the inside of you is there to empower you, to equip you, to walk in the executive authority that He's called you, positioned as a believer, so that you can walk in the possessions of His promises. Did you hear what I just said? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Listen as I read from the message. It says, what you'll get is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able. Everybody say, you'll be able. Remember what dunamis means? It means power, ability, force. You will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world, he says. He says, guys, you can be witnesses. Now... I want to say to you right now, this doesn't have anything to do with going on visitation and doing, going, witnessing. You know, you can can learn an approach. You can learn three points or five points or ten points or however many, and you can learn how. And it's a wonderful thing. I believe in evangelism, but I believe we have so boiled this down and we've made this passage be about going and witnessing when it's much, much bigger than that. There's a difference in going, witnessing, and living a life that is being a witness. This, this is a legal term. The witness here literally means you are called to get on a witness stand in a courtroom. And as a witness, you make an oath and you attest to a fact. You attest to something. You bring evidence to bear. You say, this is my testimony. Testimony. A witness is someone who declares by what God has done in their life that Jesus Christ is alive. They are serving a living, resurrected Christ. And because of that resurrected Christ that is on the, alive on the inside of them, they are then a witness to the world. We, we attest to the fact that Jesus is not still in the ground, that He's alive, that He has filled me, He has imbibed me and, and, and filled me with the presence and the power of His Holy Spirit. Are you with me? When we realize that, we begin to see the power of our own personal testimony. I just want to tell you, you don't have to know theology to be able to tell somebody else about how amazing God is. All you need to be able to do is just say, I once was, fill in the blank, but now I'm, fill in the blank. I, I, the amazing testimony that God gave through through David this morning and how he was able to touch and plant a seed in a man's heart. Let me tell you something, man. I was where you were. I was right a year ago. I was where you are right now. I was an alcoholic and I gave my heart to Jesus and he set me free and he's changed my life. And let me tell you, come on. Let me tell you. People can sit around their coffee tables and around their lunch tables at work and they can argue the finer points of theology all day long. But when you say, I once was, but now I'm, mouth shut. They can't argue with that. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man who only has an argument. Don't tell me God doesn't speak to you today. I can give you hundreds of stories of how I've heard the still small voice of the Holy Ghost down in my heart. Never heard an audible voice of God. Don't, 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 don't call the little, the little guys and tell them to bring a white coat and carry me out of here. I, 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 just, I, just, I just want to ask you this though. How is it that we can believe in so many other things and we can believe that God who loves us gave himself for us and beyond that we can believe everything we hear on the news and yet we begin to question that God would be so personal that He would speak to us. We start characterizing that as being crazy. Something wrong. I'm telling you He will talk to you. He will move and give, demonstrate His power in your life. He will take the test that you're going through and if you'll walk through it long enough, the test will become a testimony and it will be something that God will use to change somebody else's life. He can take your mess. Mm -hmm. And if you'll continue to walk with him, he will add his blessing and he'll make your mess into a message. Come on, somebody. Mm -hmm. And then nobody can argue with it. What is your testimony? John 9, they're trying to accuse the guy. Well, was it his parents who sinned? Was he who sinned? You know, there's a possibility he could have sinned in his mother's womb. Did his mom and dad sin? Why was this man born blind? He said, look, I can't answer your questions. I don't know your theology. I don't know all the answers. But I want to tell you all I know is I once was blind, but now I see. I don't even know about this Jesus you're talking about. But I'm telling you that he laid his hands on me and I couldn't see, but now I can see. I love it. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. He went through the country helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do. Everybody say, able to do. He was able to do all this because God was with him. Let me give it to you in King Jimmy. It goes like this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing all, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him? What am I saying to you this morning? The same God who was with Jesus is inside of you this morning. He birthed you into the kingdom, He calls you His daughter and His son. And if you'll ask Him, He will fill you and baptize you and anoint you and empower you and set you in an adventurous kind of life that will absolutely amaze you. It'll move you out of spiritual mediocrity. It'll move you out of going through the motions. You begin to pray and God starts answering prayer. And you begin to trust Him and mountains start moving. You rebuke things and situations change. Come on somebody, can I have an amen this morning? <laughs> Refuse to live in spiritual mediocrity. Hear the call to spiritual adventure. Well the one thing, what is it one more time? The Holy Spirit is the power producer. Say it with me. The Holy Spirit is the power producer finally this morning I don't know that I'm going to get to my last point but I'm at least going to get this one power to fulfill a calling and a destiny say that with me power to fulfill a calling and a destiny Ephesians chapter 3 and this is the NIV listen for this reason I kneel before the father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with what power everybody say power is this one on we don't have this one. Okay, I, I, I thought I said it in my notes. Okay, with power. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. There it is, one more time. Everybody say, everybody say power. power. Power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Look at verse 20. Now to Him. Here it is on the screen. Let's read it together. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to what? His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever so be it. Amen. What am I saying to you? Somebody might ask, can God use me? He wants to give you power to fulfill a destiny, power to walk in a dream. I want to tell you this morning that God can use you if He can take a, a couple ready for the nursing home. And He can promise them that He's going to give them a baby. And out of that baby, the, out of the loins of that baby, kings are going to come that are going to populate the earth. I'm talking about Abraham and Sarah who against hope believed in hope. Who, who didn't stagger at the promise of God. Who in the middle of, 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 of Sarah being 80 years old, 90 years old when Isaac was born. And Abraham being 100. Yes, God can use you. All you've got to do is just stop for a minute and consider the power of God. One thing is because the Holy Spirit is the power producer. If God can take a 16-year-old punk who's done nothing but hang out on the backside of the wilderness and he's just basically been warding off lions and bears and foxes and whatever else trying to keep daddy's sheep safe. But in the back there, on that backside of the wilderness, he's been plucking the strings of his harp and he's been worshiping the God Yahweh, the God of Israel. God's been revealing himself to him and teaching him how to walk in the Spirit and how to be led by the Spirit of God. And he's out there with his little sling and his stones. If God can take a 16-year-old punk and he can take down the champion of the Philistines that have been haunting and taunting Israel. When the greatest warriors of Israel trembled in their boots, God can take a 16-year-old. That's why I believe God wants us to reach the next generation. That's why we can't just let them hang. That's why we can't just try to guard all of our own personal preferences. Let me just say something to you right now. We're already doing stuff that's not my preference. We're already singing songs that I don't listen to going down the road in my car. But you know why we're doing them? Because the generation that's out there is not interested in us singing something that's long time done been gone. When we do the stuff that still has the anointing on it, we bring it to the front and we make it fresh so that it can touch another generation. Come on somebody. Spirit of God is in this place. And if I, can just, if, I can just, if I can just grab a hold of some of our senior saints and say, listen, we're not leaving you behind. If anything, I want to commission you to a mission to get in this with me because God is bringing youth and young all the time. New people are coming all the time. And guess what God wants us to do? He wants us to be a generation of spiritual mothers and fathers to help lead them into the, the destiny God has for them. If God could take a young Jewish girl and sit her on the throne in a pagan kingdom, he can make her rule beside a pagan king. Her name was Esther. Imagine. Everybody look at you. Say, imagine. Imagine what he can do on your job to increase your influence. Some of you need to ask God for promotion. You may be running the place if you just trust him. Did he just say what I thought he said? Yes, he sure did. Some of you need to dream about the possibility of not just running it but owning it. Oh, you really are crazy now, preacher. If God can make a woman a judge in Israel, when the men run home afraid and Deborah stands up and she says, give me the sword, God's going to put Sisera into the hands of a woman. Now, if you think about it, all my examples cover every area, young and old, male and female. Nobody has an excuse. Are you with me? God wants to give you power to live out the destiny that he's called you to. If he'll honor the faith of two young parents who ran from the edict of Herod to kill their babies, Joseph and Mary, you ought to know that he's going to hear the prayer about your concerns for your children. He's going to walk with you through the dark nights of a period of rebellion that one or two of them might be in. All you have to do is ask. He can do exceeding abundantly above all, immeasurably more than you can even ask or imagine. Same power that conquered the grave lives in you. The same power that conquered the grave lives in you. the same power that conquered the grave lives in me come on come on it's starting to catch right now I, I, I want you to I want you to make this declaration of faith right now come on somebody the same power that conquered the grave lives in me One more time, everybody. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. Come on, give you God praise this morning. Last thing, and I'm finished. If God can take a motley crew of uneducated disciples... And he can three and a half years train and educate them and equip and empower them. And they can, from a little village in the Middle East, literally turn the world upside down. Imagine what he can do right here in this room for the Delta. I I thank you. There's about five or six people that agree with what I just said. If God can take impetuous fishermen who've got rage and anger issues... Come on. Sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder, ready to call fire down out of heaven. Got Matthew over there with his calculator, wanting wanted to go, well, I don't know if we can afford this. Got Thomas saying, well, I doubt it. You go through all the disciples, just people, just ordinary people. Just dealing with stuff just like you have today. Those guys, there was not anything significant or special about them other than the fact that in the book of Acts it says, these men are unschooled, ordinary men, but we perceive that they have been with Jesus. You know what will change your life? You know what will change your marriage? You know what will put your life back together? Is just do that last part. Be with Jesus well, I'm already His child. I'm born in the Spirit. Well, you know what? You need to just get filled with the Spirit. Guard your heart. Guard your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's a great indicator of where somebody is right there. Just listen. Guard it. One of the greatest acts of worship is to maintain a good attitude in a bad situation. Help us, Jesus, all to worship. Father, we bow our hearts before you right now. I know I didn't have time to get to the nine power tools, but we'll get to that. Nine power tools of the Holy Spirit. He equips us. Spirit of God, I thank you that there are people in this room this morning that they've had their appetite whetted for something more. Tired of living in mediocrity. Tired of living in a rut, in a a spiritual routine. Just going through the religious motions. God I thank you that the last several months you've been breaking our church out of that Lord we were in maintenance mode for so long and God it took making every one of us uncomfortable a little bit so that we'd begin to cry out to you and Lord I just thank you for hearts in this room Lord who in the middle of all of that they just they kept their heart right because Lord we're beginning to see fruit now and I just ask you Lord as every one of us in this room lifts our hands right now and we just say come Holy Spirit fill me all the believers in this room come Holy Spirit fill me we cry out to you right now, O oh God. We ask you for a fresh baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would give us boldness, and love like we've never had before, to love the people of the Delta. Lord, to love each other. To love you first with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love each other and then to love everybody else out here around us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us. We cry out to you. Let the fire of God burn in our hearts. Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to ask you. Right